What was your mom like when you were a child? Phyllis Smith Vineyard, 1923 to 1996. It's hard to summarize a person you know very well. Rather than try to construct a, con a connected narrative, I'm enumerating a collection of events as a child's memory retains scattered things like colored stones picked up on a beach. This collection of stones is only the merest sketch. Thinking back, there's one initial fact to ponder. After raising my sister and me to high school age, one of my mother, mother's greatest and most enduring passions as a public health activist was limiting world population and the promotion of abortion. It's hard not to wonder if there was something about our growing up or her relationship to that that gave these issues such intense concern. In the perspective of 1929, I think my experience was not so different from that of other children growing up in that time. I refer to a much more laissez-faire approach to things, both at the family level and as it related to things mandated from the government. There were no baby seats or seat belts. Car dashboards were often festooned with metal cookie-cutter-shaped dials and other protuberances. These would give a parent of today quite a chill. If my mother was driving and I sat in the passenger seat and she had to brake, she would reach across as if to prevent me from potentially crashing into the dashboard. This gesture showed concern but would not have been much help in a serious crash. No one thought otherwise about this. She was also proud of her driving skill and competitive with male drivers on the road. The laissez-faire approach to child rearing showed itself in many ways. The tone was often along the lines of, Go outside and play and don't come back till dinner. I did so without complaint and joined my pals until we were summoned homeward. As the years passed, this command grew a tad more urgent as I was felt to be a bit too bookish and the parents seemed to have concluded that I needed to get blasted out of the house much more often. From a very young age, I had a bicycle and was pretty much allowed total freedom to take it anywhere around town. I rode it to school, hot dog on the street curbs, and sometimes ventured a bit further afield than I would have told them, of course, without a helmet. None of this ever resulted in anything bad. When I was in second grade, all other kids had the fat tire pedal brake bicycles that were so popular and durable. But I had a French racer with thin tires. This was classier, but a bit unusual. As I was careless about parking it in the garage, it got rained on and the chrome rusted off in short order. Mom went the extra mile in a number of ways, picking me up from school to take me to piano lessons, for example, encouraging me to attend a music school in New York on Saturdays when I was in high school, getting summer jobs. She promoted the idea of my going to summer camp and later to prep school, but that I resisted. I think my mother showed many of the instincts that expanded greater in later years, but at this stage they were diffuse and not so well organized. I remember individual interests that blossomed and then petered out, one after another, without enduring commitments. She became interested in the history of art in Belport Village and helped uncover some unduly neglected artists from the turn of the century. This fed into an annual art show on Belport Lane in the summer. She was very interested in Asian art. For a while, she took a job as a part-time copy editor for the local weekly newspaper, the Patchog Advance. She never had a full-time job until years later. She was very well-liked and active socially. She liked to cook French food. 
In those days, French culture had a cultural prestige it has since relinquished. She had an interest in French culture, but did not follow through to pursue proficiency in the French language. There were a lot of fine dinners, including things such as hollandaise sauce, broiled sea bass and salmon, big roasts of beef, fancy chocolate puddings, linzer torts, strawberry champagne mousse, salads, ugh, and a lot of what at the time were upper-end vegetables, such as asparagus and artichokes. She liked gardening. She was always extending the flower beds, and she loved to cultivate roses. My parents were very popular socially. I remember countless lively dinner parties and cocktail parties. After such parties, my sister and I were sometimes summoned for a kind of post-mortem on how it went. My mother was an excellent raconteur and clever in debate and conversation. I remember remarkable wide-ranging debates between her and my father over the dinner table and wishing I had recorded a few of them. <clears throat> she held the fashionable liberal views of our time and locale and inhabited a circle of like-minded people. There was always a kind of cheery dismissal of the boobs, the yucks, the people from the middle. They were strong for Adley Stevenson, I remember. <clears throat> I remember how after the 1960 election, but before Kennedy's inauguration, she cheerfully commented to someone there was a real worry whether the country would survive the remaining months of the Eisenhower administration until Kennedy's inauguration. In those days, Eastern Long Island was a bastion of republicanism, dating back to the Civil War and McKinley and the region's rural past. As lab people, we considered ourselves a select enclave of the enlightened among a vast, hopeless sea of the bigoted, the ignorant, and the benighted. This political alignment eventually reversed, beginning in the 1970s with the huge flow of big city money and outmigrations from New York. She was apt to try and connect with foreigners by dissing America, or whoever was president. Exaggeration for effect was a signature of her style. When we had lunch at a restaurant on the road and she wanted us to pick a cheaper sandwich, she might tut-tut about how expenses at our summer cottage were becoming burdensome and we might have to sell the place. She had a divided personality on health concerns. On one side, there were stern warnings about disease and disaster. On the other were admonitions to be tough and not whimper about every little thing. What was a kid to think? She put up a sticker on the bathroom mirror listing cancer's seven warning signs. She told us about a grade school classmate of hers who died from consuming canned food containing botulism. She was very attentive to people who fell ill and did the proper things with visits, get well cards, and served as a conduit for news and support for families. This played into a tendency to dramatize all kinds of dangers. When some pine trees were infected with gypsy moss, it meant we were going to lose them all. She suffered from worries about her health, most all of which proved not to be significant. For some years, she was convinced that she was suffering hypoglycemia. This became a thing in the family to be aware of and work around. Over time, medical tests completely discounted this worry. Until her final illness, she was energetic and hard-charging wherever her interests led. 